0: Psalm 95, Shinder is going to come and read for us in just a moment, and then Hitton is going to preach that
1: Bible passage to us.
0: Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout alone to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today I only, I only you would hear his voice, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did in Maribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation, I said they are a people whose hearts are go astray and they have not known my ways so I declare on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God thank you Shinda
1: good morning everyone uh, let me add my welcome to Richard. my name is Hiten I'm one of the church wardens here and i'll be taking us through psalm 95 this morning and so please do keep your bibles open so a few years ago i got myself a fitness tracker it has the ability to measure my heart rate and more recently my wife anita also got one which has made her a little too obsessed with measuring her heart rate this little device gives us an indication of how healthy our heart is. And apparently, a high resting heart rate tells us something about how unhealthy we are. And it's important to review the healthiness of your heart, your physical heart. It impacts our lives. And if not now, then certainly in the years to come. But what about our spiritual hearts? The Bible refers to the heart as our our inner being. It's the centre of our decision-making. It's the thing that directs our paths. And the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey to an internal rest with God. The spiritual health of our hearts will determine how we respond to trials on our way. And Psalm 95 before us this morning gives us a spiritual heart assessment. Now, this this fitness tracker flashes pulses of green light into my wrist to detect the the veins and, and measures the pulsing veins for my heart rate. But our psalm shines the light of God's voice directly into our hearts. And it tests the responses. So, three things we're gonna look at today. A soft heart's response to God's word, a hard heart's response to God's word, and then how do you respond? So, let me ask you this morning, how healthy is your heart? A soft heart responds to God's word with praise and worship. So let me read verses 1 and 2 from Psalm 95 to you. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So we are, we are invited in to come and sing for joy to the Lord, to shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come before him with thanks and extol him which means to praise him highly with music and with song. Have you ever wondered why we sing songs of praise at church? We sing truths to each other and to the Lord. It's It's our offering of praise to him. And they're full of meaty truths. Do you notice those? Do you notice the words of the song that we sing? Without looking at your service sheet, I wonder if you can remember the last song that we sang. That will be quite easy, because it's actually based on this psalm, so I hope you do remember it. But sometimes I go along with emotions. I, I sing without really applying my mind to what I'm singing. But songs have power, don't they? they it's putting words to music, to a catchy tune. It helps us remember them. And when we sing, we express outwardly the emotions and the feelings in our hearts. But these aren't random words. You see, our psalmist, he wants to inform our singing. So let's read verses three and four on why we're singing praises to God. So verse three. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. His hand, In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. So why are we singing praises to God? The Lord is the great God. In fact, he is king above all gods. And verses four and five, what do they remind you of? It's creation, the depths and the peaks. He created the lowest and the highest places on earth, places that we would struggle to get to or even survive. He created the sea and the land. We're being given a reminder here of the creation story. We're being told, look at God. He is creator. He made all things. He is great above all gods. There is none like him. And so how do you respond? We sing praises to him simply because he is God. He made all things. Isn't there an inner child inside you? You know, when you see a huge mountain range or the vastness of the sea that just stops and says, wow, the next time you look at these, stop and praise the God who made them. So that's our call to praise, but our psalmist makes another call. I wonder if you noticed it in verse six of our reading. It says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This time we're called to worship. Now this word is used a lot in churches and it may conjure up different feelings and images for you all depending on your backgrounds. But worship simply means to bow down, to lay prostrate, to acknowledge someone greater than you. And we don't really bow down to anyone these days, and maybe you would if you had the privilege of meeting royalty. I remember watching uh, Prince William kneeling before King Charles during the coronation. He must be thinking, you're my dad, but today I acknowledge you as king, ruler over me. It's a sign of humility. It's saying, You are greater than me. And so when we kneel before God, we acknowledge that He is greater than we are. He's creator of all things, He's creator of us. He is our maker. And the psalmist gives us a further reason to why the Lord is worthy of our worship. In the first part of verse seven, it reads, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And this is more personal, this is intimate. The Lord isn't a distant God who created the world and then steps away. No, he's our God. We are the people of his pasture. We are the flock under his care. This is language of a loving shepherd who cares for his sheep. But I wonder if you notice something missing here. In this call to praise and worship God, there's something missing. You see, it's not down to anything about us or how we are feeling. Rather, it's based on the truth of who he is. It's based on his character. And how often do we speak about praising God just because of how we feel or because life is going well for us? You see, a soft heart allows the truth of God's word to shape it. And the psalmist wants to fill our hearts and our minds with wonderful truths about God. And then he invites us to come to praise the Lord with song and with instruments. Come, bow down, kneel before him, humble yourself before him in your hearts. And the ultimate end to this is in the presence of God, in his rest for all eternity. And we'll look at this a little later on. And so to summarize this point, a soft heart responds to God's word with praise and worship and ultimately finds rest in him. This would be a fitting end to the psalm, but it just doesn't end there. We're given a warning and a case study now. So, a hard heart's response to God's word. A hard heart responds to God's word with quarreling and testing and ultimately separation from God. Now, the end of verse 7 up to verse 11 give us a case study and a warning of how not to respond. So let me read that for you from the end of verse 7. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, there are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. Today, if you hear his voice, this is language here of a present continual tense. It means of, it speaks of every day. And we're given an example of what not to be like. And it's actually looking back at Exodus 17, which Richard preached on last November. And I definitely recommend uh, you listen to that sermon uh, on the church website, because I won't be going into detail, but I will summarize. So back in Exodus 17, Israel had been rescued from slavery in Egypt by God's miraculous power. And as Pharaoh and his armies were about to corner them, the Lord parted the Red Sea for them to safely cross through. The Lord ensured that they had water to drink, and he fed them miraculously from heaven. And yet, after seeing and experiencing firsthand all those miracles, when they were faced with a trial before them, and this was a serious trial, there was no water in a desert. When they were faced with this trial, what did they do? Do they pray to the Lord, their awesome God, who created all things and rescued them? No, they quarreled with God's servant, his servant Moses. In fact, they were almost ready to kill him. But worse, they tested the Lord and questioned his character. Is the Lord among us or not? See, even though they saw God's miracles firsthand, they questioned whether he was even there. Rather than trust God for who he is, their creator and their rescuer, they questioned his character. And this is no different to the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. The fall was a result of knowing God's word but not trusting it to be good. And this is the danger of a hard heart. Rather than trusting in truth, It is hardened by the situation before it or the lies within it or the lies from outside. It happily listens to the age-old lie that God is not good. It remains like stone, unable to be changed or shaped by the truth of God's word. You see, Israel was still God's people. But as verse 10 says, they had gone astray in their hearts. So although they were still there present physically, their hearts had wandered. And so where did the hard heart lead Israel? Well, in verse 11, we see God swears an oath. They would never enter his rest. and the rest for Israel was looking ahead to the promised land of Canaan. But because they rebelled against God, he caused that generation to wander the desert for 40 years, and they never entered the promised land. This is further explained in Numbers 14, if you're taking notes. So why is this an important warning for us today? Well, as Christians today, we're not looking for a promised land on earth but ahead to a new creation, dwelling with God himself, eternity with him. And this is the final day seven rest of creation where the whole Bible story is heading. It's what we were made for, to dwell forever with our creator. As we heard um, last Sunday, our sister Tina went to be with her creator. Richard, Gabriel and I went to see her um, in the hospital a few weeks back. And she just had this wonderful smile on her. In the midst of her pain, she said, I just want to go home. that's someone who knows her creator and wants to be with him. So it's a sad loss, fully appreciate that. But she's with her God. That's the joy of knowing God having that warm heart towards him. But the warning here is of a hard heart. A hard heart ultimately leads to separation from God. A hard heart's response to God's word is quarreling and testing and ultimately separation from God. So how do you respond to God's word? Well just like the fitness tracker can help assess the heart rate, this psalm offers us a spiritual heart assessment. So, as the words of Psalm 95 are shone into your hearts, what have they revealed? How healthy is your heart? How does it respond to the truth about God? Well. First, let us look at the danger. The big warning here is to not be complacent. So let me repeat that, do not be complacent. None of us are immune. You see, Israel witnessed firsthand what the Lord God could do. And if their hearts could go astray, don't be so sure that yours won't when trials come your way. And it's important to note here that a hard heart doesn't grow overnight. It's like callous skin that gets thicker and thicker until you can't feel anything at all. And so why do we let our hearts go hard? Well, often it's simply because we don't want to hear God's word. We don't want to let it penetrate our hearts because we don't want it to change us. We're quite happy doing what we want to do. And the root cause of this is believing a lie, that God's word isn't true. And so instead, you listen to the voice of the world or the devil. Now today, we live in a noisy world full of influences. Whose voice are you listening to? Another warning sign is a grumbling heart. It's a warning of a heart on its way to being hardened. And so what would a hard heart look like in our lives? Well, some examples for you. Are you enraged or bitter with someone, refusing to forgive them, despite knowing how much the Lord has forgiven you? It's easy to shut that part of his word out and stay bitter? Or are you struggling with singleness? And rather than trusting in God's good and perfect will for your life, you're tempted to shut his word out and look at the possibility of dating a non-Christian. I mean, what harm can it do? Maybe you just put God's word on snooze for a while, but be warned, soon you won't hear it at all. Or is life just tough? Are you angry with God for what you have or don't have? Do you feel that he doesn't care? And how can a God who cares possibly allow this in your life? We don't always know why God does things in our lives. But we do know who he is. We know his character and we can trust him. Health experts say prevention is always better than cure. And some fitness trackers encourage us to keep our hearts and our bodies healthy by tracking our step counts, our calories, our exercise, or sleeping. And so how do we keep our hearts spiritually healthy in the first place? What can we do to prevent a hard heart Well, we can imitate the pattern of the Psalms. And we're going to be looking at the Psalms for the next few weeks. And so many of the Psalms start off with the Psalmist crying out to God, expressing how they feel with raw emotions, with anger, with abandonment, or groaning in pain and suffering. But they don't stop there. They meditate on the truth of who God is, which never changes, and they end in praising him. Their circumstance hasn't changed, but they are reminded about the unshakable truth about God. So I'd say to you, in your hurt and suffering, go to the Lord, read the Psalms, cry out to him, Remember that you are the flock under his care. He is our good shepherd. Meditate on the first half of this psalm. Chew over it in your minds and reflect on who God is. The word of God in the psalms is a good place to go. But the gospel of John in the New Testament begins with Jesus as the word of God, the word of God becoming flesh. So ultimately, we should respond by listening to the voice of Jesus. He is our good shepherd. And he says in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So listen to his voice with soft hearts. Allow the truth to penetrate and affect your heart and then follow him. How do you listen to and follow Jesus? Well, by reading your Bibles daily, storing the word in your hearts and doing what those words say. Jesus also provides an example for us, an example of one who was tested in the desert and after fasting for 40 days, he was hungry. Yet, when he was tempted, he didn't test or question God. In fact, He responded with the word of God, which was stored in his heart. Jesus was obedient to God's word to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore God raised him up and seated him at his right hand. His obedient life and death on the cross brings us into God's kingdom if we trust him. We are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. That's something we'll be remembering later on in the Lord's Supper. And finally, as preventative medicine, we have each other. So come to church. It's no coincidence that our church service is modelled on this psalm. Let's follow the pattern of the psalm and do church And as the psalmist calls us, let us sing God's praises. Worship the Lord God as you fill your hearts with truth from the Bible. Are you struggling? Reach out to one another in the church family. Come and speak to me or Richard or Gabriel or Robin. Pray for and with one another and use our tea and coffee time as Richard explained earlier uh, after the service to share the truth that you've heard God say to you that's its sole purpose let me leave you with a summary of what uh, all of this is from Hebrews chapter 3 verses 12 to 14 which speaks of this psalm. farm so Hebrews 3 verse 12 says see to it brothers and sisters that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. I'm gonna pray in a moment uh, before the singers come up. But just before that happens, I'm going to give you some time to pause and reflect on what you've heard. So today, if you hear his voice, receive it with soft hearts. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'll give us a soft heart to receive it. Help us store it up in our hearts. Help us use it to praise you and to worship you. And help us use it as preventative medicine for our souls to help one another along the journey of our lives to find rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen.